0: Today, I'm going to not share a message, but we're going to tell a story. And it's a very sacred story. It's, you know, one of the complaints we hear about church is there's too much, um, nobody's real. And today, we're going to be real and we're going to take you into uh, the sacredness of our family and some of my greatest mistakes and some of my greatest successes. And so, if you're ready, let's pray. Father, help us today to have open hearts and open minds. Help us to hear the uh, principles and the essence around our story. And Lord, help us to apply those things to our lives as we leave here today. And Lord, we just surrender this time to you and ask you to bless us. And to have just to be with us or we know you're in us and we know that uh, we can all came together. But Lord, let us have an awareness of your presence today that reaches deep into our hearts and let us be changed in Jesus name. Amen. Well, in 1971, I was a 17 year old, selfish, out of control teenager, and I was making decisions to harm everyone that I loved and uh, I was seeing a girl, and basically we would end up at the same place together at the end of the night. And one night she came to me and she told me that she was pregnant. And to that news, I chose to just not believe it and to reject it. And that was the last that I heard from her. Sherry and I, we met We had—we met shortly after that at a Black Sabbath concert. <laughs> and she got pregnant, and we got married, and it was awful. But during that, you know, for those of you that don't know the story, we, it was awful. Our marriage was awful. It was so bad, we wrote a book about it. It's called Granny Paid for Our Divorce. <laughs> it's a true story, because my grandmother did pay for our divorce. But, but Sherry came to me one night, and she said, now, you're not going to have some kids showing up or something, are you? And I said, well, I'm not sure, but maybe there's this one. And we came to Jesus in 1976, and our lives were transformed. In the mid-'80s, I was in a restaurant in my hometown of Liberty, Missouri, and I saw this man in the restaurant who I recognized as this girl that I had been dating, her, her dad. And he had these two teenage kids with her, with him. And one of them was this little 13, 14-year-old girl. And I saw her from across the restaurant and said, she's, she's my daughter. And I called Sherry immediately, and we started to pray and seek the Lord about it. And the answer that we got from the Lord was wait. And so we waited. And... That little girl that I saw in the restaurant that day is here today, and her name's Jessica, and I'd like for you to meet her. It's already started.
1: Morning, y'all. How's everybody doing today, we good? Good? I'm sorry, I'm still hanging out in the music this morning. Thank you, because that was amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, you're amazing <laughs> okay,
0: too. <thank> you. <laughs> so fast forward, throughout all these years, uh, from from the mid '80s to 2009, I'm preaching in St. Louis, Missouri, at a large church there, and there's this girl in the audience, and she doesn't know us, and we don't know her, and it's on Father's Day, and. Uh, And she's so impressed with uh, what's going on that she begins to communicate to her big sister on the East Coast and tell her all about this incredible preacher and the music and the stories and all of those things. And her little sister, her big sister, then asks her a question.
1: Yeah, so my sister is blowing up my phone. Like she's telling me, she's like, the music is smoking hot. The story is incredible. I can't stop crying. You would never believe this. I mean, and she is sending me message after message after message. And I'm finally like, fine, just tell me. Who is this guy? Like, what's the deal? Tell me who this guy is. Well, what my sister didn't know is there were three things I knew about my dad. I knew that he had long curly hair. I knew that he played the guitar. And I knew that his name was Jimmy Bratcher. And so she sends me this text. His name is Jimmy Bratcher. And I asked her, I said, do you know who this man is to me? And she says, no, who is he? How do you know him? And I said, he's my dad. And that began a conversation that my sister began having compelled to have. I didn't know about it because when she asked me what I was gonna do about it, I said nothing.
0: She was talking to your mom.
1: Yeah, so she started talking to my mom. And when she asked me what I wanted to do and I said nothing, she still felt like this was something that had to be addressed. And so she's reaching out to my mother, but I chose to do nothing for a year and a half.
0: And of course we weren't aware of what was going on, but a year and a half later on February 13th, I'm in, Sherry and I are in Christiana, Pennsylvania, and I'm getting ready to speak for the ninth time that weekend. And, um, I'm in the green room having a cup of coffee, and I hear this voice inside of my heart, and the voice says, I'm about to change your life, and I knew that voice, so I started to dream about the things, you know, maybe we'll quit traveling, I'll get a real job, you know, something <laughs> something along those lines, and I had no idea what the Lord was up to, and so we, I preached the last service, and We got in the car and started to Philadelphia to the airport and I opened up my email and there was an email from Jessica's mother and it said, it's overdue that you should meet your daughter and your four grandsons. Her name's Jessica and you can find her on Facebook and she doesn't know about you yet.
1: But obviously I did. But before that, in 2010, my father-in-law had become all those daddy things, right? I'm a daddy's girl, I have known my whole life I was always a daddy's girl. And so he had filled that role for me, so when I needed dad things, that's the call I made. That's the person who showed up. Or my grandfather even before that. And my father-in-law was dying, he was in hospice, And he's breathing his last labored breath on this earth. And I am so angry at God. How dare you take him from me? How dare you? I haven't had a daddy all these years. And the ones that you've given me are gone. And I'm so brokenhearted. But God is a God who answers prayers. Because a year almost to the day later... I got a Facebook friends request from Jimmy Bratcher.
0: And so I sent her this Facebook friends request, which interrupted her husband, Leroy. So I got to tell you about Leroy. Their last name is Strong. So it's first sergeant, retired Marine Corps, Leroy Strong, drill instructor of the year.
1: (laughs) So, So Leroy is watching the Daytona 500, and if you're a race fan, that is the Super Bowl. Like, we do not interrupt the Daytona 500. Someone had better be in dire need of an ambulance. And so I show him. I'm trying to show him. I'm like, babe, I need you to look at this. And he says, woman, the race is on. And I said, baby, I know. This is important. And he looks at it, and he goes, ain't that your dad? And I said, yeah. He said, what are you gonna do? And I said, "Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna go to the store, because that's what we do, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I drove into town. I went to the store. I don't know what I bought. I'm not sure exactly that I got there, but I got there. And I was hysterical. I was in panic. I didn't, I mean, what do I do now? Now here I am, faced with this man who I have been avoiding for a long time.
0: And so after I sent that Facebook friends request, then the gravity of what I had done hit me like a brick wall. I couldn't believe that I had actually done something so horrible as to abandon one of my children. And Jessica, for the next several weeks, was silent. And all I could do, you know, the Bible tells us there are times when we can't really speak but all we can do is groan and I'd wake up in the morning and I had this three word prayer that I would just groan it would come out of the deepest part of my heart and I would just groan and say oh God Jessica and that was all I could utter but I had this peace in my heart even through the grief that God was up to something, I didn't know what, and it was gonna require me to trust him.
1: So, dad says I was silent. I was silent to him, and I was silent to all but a very few closest friends, trusted friends. And what I had was an opportunity that God had set before me and said, I have something for you if you want it. So every sermon, every devotion, every time I opened the word, it came back to trust in the Lord. The Lord is trustworthy. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is consistent. All these things that tell me that he is giving me something good, even though it didn't look like it in that moment because I was so afraid. And so we decided, we, Leroy and I, decided that we would, we would answer him, this friend's request. And so I wrote this long email to him. And I said, the little girl in me wants to run to you with arms wide open. But the woman in me wants to know where you've been and why now. I dealt with my feelings about you a long time ago. I knew you would never see me dance. You would never watch me graduate. And you would never walk me down the aisle. But you're here. And it's not unwelcome. But it's just hard. And thanks for showing up.
0: And when I read her words that said thanks for showing up, that was a sign to me from the Lord. Because whenever someone asks Sherry and I, to describe what we do in ministry, I always tell them, well, we have the ministries showing up. Just like y'all. You know, Christ sent us where we go, he goes, and where he goes, stuff happens. It's not that difficult. And uh, <clears throat> and so I, I took the next five hours. It's hilarious because we were in Daytona at uh, Bike Week doing concerts, and we were staying in this old biker's house. Named Drifter, and uh,
1: you can't make this. I stuff said, up. "Why
0: did I said why do they why do they call you Drifter?" And he said, "Well, you're going to follow me into town. I'll be on my bike." And this guy's literally riding his bike, and he's riding his bike down the road, and all of a sudden he just goes mm, over here, and he's just all over the road, just kind of back and forth. So, and he had no furniture, and so or groceries, but uh, that's another story. But I took the next five hours to write her an email and, uh, and, and answer her questions and explain to her uh, where I've been and why now. And, uh, but I, but it, as I closed my email, I wanted to reference something that she had said in her email. She talked about this little girl that wanted to run into my arms And so as I closed my email, I said, Jessica, I hope that the little girl wins. I want that little girl to run into my arms and allow me to do what I should have done all these years. As I was praying, I asked the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I reached out for advice. I have a cousin that had met a son uh, that he was not aware of. And, but I finally went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he answered me in a way that is reflective of his nature and character. He said, Jimmy, love her. And I knew immediately how to do that. I knew how to love Sherry. I knew how to love my other two kids, Jason and Amanda. And she would be no different. I would offer her that same love. Help me.
1: So that began the communication. Floodgates opened. So texting, emails, no phone calls but just back and forth became a full-time job. And my husband, who is the most security-minded man I have ever met in my life, the introvert that stands on the back of the wall with his arms crossed, you know that guy, looking mean and scary, whether he really is or not, nobody's really willing to find out, he's that guy. And so this communication's going back and forth, he says, we all should meet. I'm looking at him, I'm like, what? Are you, really? And in the process of this, you know how something happens in our lives, something big, whether it's birth of a baby or a, a, a grandchild or someone passes away or whatever it is, everybody feels like they need to tell you something and how to do it, right? Or they need to tell you the story of what they've been through. And so we're getting all of these stories about why I should not meet my father. And people are telling me about, I met my dad and then he died the next day. I met my dad, and then he was a drug addict. I met my mom, and she's crazy. And they're telling me all these horrible stories. One guy comes up and says, don't tell him where you live. Don't give him your phone number. Don't introduce him to your kids, because mine stole my identity. Right? So there's all these reasons why I shouldn't. But then the one person in my life who I expect to say you shouldn't, God did something in his heart that he said, you absolutely should and so so we did we agreed to meet
0: yeah so leroy was working jessica lives outside of washington dc and leroy was working a couple of hours south in charlottesville virginia and sherry and i were still on the east coast from our florida trip and so i told jessica i said pick out a restaurant and we'll go to dinner and so she picked out what was
1: The loudest
0: restaurant in Virginia. The loudest restaurant in Virginia, but uh, we pull into the parking lot in our legendary band van called the White Pearl. It was it's it was one of those vans where if you parked in Walmart, no woman would park within a hundred yards of it, kind of thing. You know, it was scary, and uh, we got a new van since then, and uh, (laughs) but we pull in the parking lot, and here's her and Leroy standing next to the biggest pickup truck I've ever seen in my life. And I look at Leroy and I go, he's packing. (laughs) I know he is.
1: So these two pull around the corner in this van and they had told me that they were hippies, but I really didn't believe it because they come around the corner. I'm like, all right, y'all, it's the 2000s.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The van was a 2000, all right, let's get it straight. (laughs) <laughs> but, but they
1: but they get out of the van and it was like looking in a mirror
0: and i we hadn't talked at all on the phone so just texts and emails so i'd never heard her voice and you those of you that are parents you know how important it, that is to hear your kids first voice and so i'm i'm like i'm not saying anything until she speaks and but, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like I don't use words like hi or hello and a greeting because I'm too cool for that, you know? <laughs> Sherry tells me all the time I've got cool I ain't used yet. I'm saving it for when I hit 70 and I'm going to a whole nother level of cool. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do something like, hey. And so we get out of the van and we walk up and I look at her and, and it's just... Like she said, it's like looking in a mirror. And I'm waiting, standing there waiting, because I'm not going to say anything until she says something.
1: So they walk up, and I look at him, and I go, hey. <laughs> I'm a hugger. And we threw our arms around each other and cried and stood there for a long time, just just being together. But what was incredible to me in that moment is that as they pulled in and as we waited, cause you know, I'm married to a Marine, we're never late for anything. <laughs> so we're standing in the parking lot for a million years waiting and they're coming around the corner and I want to be angry. I want justice. I want him to know what he did. I want him to know what his absence caused, and I am searching and digging and looking in my heart for all of that. And God says, no, baby girl, that's not my best for you. And so the exchange that's made is I get to give him all those wounds and all that, all that, and I get to get my daddy instead. So, so at some point, Mom pulls us apart, and she's like, okay, y'all, we should probably go in. And we go in, and I don't know what we ate. I, don't, I know we were sitting in the corner, and Leroy talked a lot, which was weird. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, it was like I was sitting with another person that I didn't know. But Dad, you reached across the table and said something.
0: Yeah, Sherry when we first got there she brought Jessica a gift and uh, she gave her the gift and it was very moving but Sherry told Jessica and Leroy she said, you know, we don't we're, we don't want anything from you. We're just happy that you would open up your lives for us to be here. And I had something that I wanted to ask of Jessica and so I reached across the table and I said you know I want to ask you for something and I'm not demanding anything but at some point I, I need to ask you to forgive me for what I've done
1: so I talked about that exchange and God does the miraculous things when we let him right and I was able in all honesty to reach across the table and take his hand and say the past is the past and we can't change that but you're here now and we're cool
0: and so that we from there we started we uh, i received the forgiveness that she offered me and she received the forgiveness that I was asking for and granted it to me. And uh, and so we sat for several hours that night just talking and uh, just asking questions, talking. And Leroy unpacked his life to us. And it was just, a, a, just an incredible evening. It
1: was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And so
0: the night was over and they were going their way and we were going our way. And and so we woke up the next morning in the hotel, and Sherry goes, look, we cannot leave here. This can't be a one and done thing, where, okay, we, I met my dad, you met your daughter, and that's the end of it, we have to stay. And I said, okay, whatever. You know, there's times, guys, you need to let your wives lead you.
1: Preach it, preach it.
0: Not your bossy daughters. <laughs>
1: I'm not bossy, I just know what you should be doing. <laughs> so,
0: and so we wait, and just in just a few moments, Jessica contacts us and says, Can we go to lunch? And so we go to Leroy's favorite place for lunch. I don't remember the name of it, it's like Lord Sir, Hardwick's. Lord Hardwick's and, um, in Charlottesville. If you're ever there, look it up. Uh, and so we're, having, we're talking, and I said, Well, at some point, we would like to meet the boys. And Leroy goes, well, why don't you just follow her home? I'm not going to be there, but just go home with her
1: i don't know who that man was like for like three days I'm like married to somebody that I've never met. It was incredible. so he comes like so we agree to meet at our church, and you know, I got four boys, and they've all got stuff going on, everybody you know sports and activities and whatever. but so we meet at the church, and so they arrive and we go in and his first introduction to his grandchildren is one of our sons standing on the stage playing the guitar. Uh-huh. And then the other, the youngest one and, and Grammy got in trouble for making a ruckus in the middle of the prayer time.
0: <laughs> they were belly laughing and people were trying to pray. It's like everybody turns around looking at them, you know. It's- Embarrassing, but uh, she was being Grammy, you know, I mean she's giving him bubble gum and they're yucking it up (laughs) But so we you know, we met the boys and and
1: and then they came to the house and got to meet the older boys Had dinner at the table like that's kind of my thing, right? You're part of my family. You're gonna come sit around the table We're gonna have a meal we're going to get to know one another and we're going to sit and they got to see the boys and all of their boyness stinky <laughs> but what god has done is he has exchanged anger, pain, unforgiveness, bitterness, orphaned like there are so many words, so many titles that i carried that God said, let me have those because I have something better for you. And so it's been 10 years, and in those 10 years, I can honestly say every relationship in my life is different. Every, Every interaction I have with someone is different because of the healing that took place standing in that parking lot because I invited God in to say, Yes, I will take your best, Lord. And I will give you all of this pain and all of this hurt and all of this. And so we're a family. And, you know, people ask a lot about Amanda and Jason and how is mom. And, like, that was one of my first questions. Do they know about me?
0: And so... You know when she asked that question. I said well Sherry asked about you many years ago and she said are gonna be any kids showing up But I said yes, she knows about you and her comment, you know when Jessica asked that question was you tell her that our my heart in our home is open to you and Sherry told us on the way we were going to meet Jessica and she said, you know Jimmy She said we have a great life and we have a great marriage and we have a great family but Something's always been missing, and Jessica and Leroy and the boys are it.
1: So my sister said almost the same thing, not knowing that that's what she had said.
0: Yeah, my daughter, our daughter Amanda.
1: And Jason said something like, I've heard all those stories about mom and dad being nuts, but, you know, I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. (laughs) But she welcomed me. Mom welcomed me. And you notice I call her mom. She welcomed me as if she had birthed me herself. And the amazing thing is that I could look at at them, and I can look at Dad, and I did, on our first Easter Sunday together.
0: Yeah, we were at Jessica's house getting ready to go to church on Easter Sunday in April of 2011. and, And she brought me a gift, which was a coffee mug. That was painted with daddy names all over it. And it was full of her favorite candy bar, which was a zero candy bar, which isn't like, you know, a Snickers or something. And she had no way of knowing that was my favorite candy bar. So we found all these genetic things, all this DNA stuff (laughs) that were, you know, it's like, she's just like me. I've never been around her or raised her or anything. and, And she's just like me.
1: Now Except I'm, prettier. Well, thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe
0: goofier. Maybe. Maybe I'm goofier or um, you're goofier. I don't know. Okay. It's a
1: toss up.
0: But we were talking as she gave me this cup and, uh, and I was weeping. That's all I did for 2011 was weep. <laughs> and she reached up and... Put her hands on my face and touch my face, and said,
1: "It's like you were always here.
0: It's just like you were always here." <laughs> and that describes our relationship. So, in conclusion, you know, we wrote, we've written a book that just came out a few weeks ago, titled "The Little Girl Wins." And uh, although you've heard the story, you haven't heard the details of all the intricacies that God did and performed in order to bring us to the point where we could reconcile and be a family. But we tell this story for a reason. In the last 10 years, we've talked to so many people that have similar stories. They'll say, well, I'm Jessica, or I'm Sherry, or I'm Jessica's mom. Or, but they connect to the story, and we found so much disconnection because of fear, because of hurt, because of pain. And we tell this story for a reason. And the reason is, is that we wanna ask you if you have this type of disconnect in your relationships to do something. And what, I don't know how to tell you what that is. You're gonna have to ask the Lord and pray and hear God and, and respond to what he says to you, but Rather than letting the pain or the fear dominate and control your life, hear the Lord and take those steps. For some of you, that step will be wait. Don't do anything. For some of you, it will be um, do some research. Make the phone call. Take the trip. Ask to be forgiven or receive forgiveness that's being offered. Because, you know, our lives are just too short for us to live with fear and pain in our hearts. When Jesus is the one that said, I'll take your heart and I'll write on it. And I'll write that truth on it. And when we believe that truth, his transformation happens in our lives and it affects every bit of us. And I can't tell you the joy these last 10 years have been for our entire family the big hero in this is Sherry.
1: She, she is.
0: As we've talked to families where they have a similar story but have said, well, I can't tell my wife because she'll leave me or she'll divorce me. And Sherry opened up her heart and welcomed our additions and, uh and loves them. Like Jessica said, just like they're her own, and they are.
1: That's right. I'm wearing the shoes to prove it. Every girl needs a mama that gives her shoes and purses.
0: So if you're here today and you say, Jimmy, you know, that's us. We need to, we need to take those steps. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but hear the voice of God as to what the actions in your life should be. Not every story ends like our story did, but, and if your story doesn't end like our story did, we have a Heavenly Father who knows how to love us like no earthly person could. The Bible describes His love as perfect, and it is. There is no dysfunction in our Heavenly Father, and you can trust Him with your heart. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, let these words land on soil that is good. Let our hearts receive these words, Lord, where there's offense, where there's pain, where there's fear. Let us yield those things to you and to your spirit. And Lord, lead us to, to the connection, to the relationships. And give us courage and faith to face those things that are unknown to us. And Lord, help us to be those that raise families that love you, hearts that are yielded to you, and Lord, give us the best that you have for us, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless y'all.
2: I tell you what, I'm a mess right now. I think every one of us have heard this. We've heard it. We've heard it. You have heard it clearly. Uh, this just keeps going over in my mind. The narrative of Genesis has been conveyed many times from this pulpit and as you read it. But it was the heart of God that was broken when he looked upon the condition of Adam and Eve who had fallen into deception. And his line to them was, who told you you were naked? And and that's not a chastisement. That is not a reproach as much as the heart of a father saying, somebody told you that I don't love you anymore. Who told you that? Who told you you were alone? Who told you you've been forgotten? Who told you you don't matter? And that breaks the heart of the father that we would linger in that place and never allow him through his forgiving grace and his love to take us to that new place We call it redemptive grace today, man, because of the love of Jesus. So I'm I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this. And the stories, the stories of the redeemed are so marvelous. Take these words. Take these words. Uh, Don't don't dismiss them quickly. uh, But hold on to them and pray. I, I took the book. When Jimmy sent me the book, I read it in one setting. I was so captivated by it. And uh, I I think everybody needs to participate in that story and just be moved by it, but also be challenged by it personally because we serve a God who is about restoring, amen, and making all things, all things new. Praise God for that.